Welcome to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast, where we explore the conscious use of technology. Listen in to hear thought leaders and other guests discuss the human relationship with technology and learning to thrive in the digital era. Hosted by the author of the international best-selling digital self-mastery series and being at work, Dr. Heidi Forbes Usta. Welcome back to Evolving Digital Self. My name is Dr. Heidi Forbes Usta, and today I have Lori Lyons joining me to share a little bit about the experience that we go through when we pivot as an Encore entrepreneur. Welcome, Lori. Thank you, Heidi. So excited to be here. This is awesome. So right now, is it's a really, a, to use the word again, a pivotal time for a lot of us. A lot of people are coming out of or still in the COVID-19 situation where their jobs may become redundant. They may, they're just trying to decide what's next. And it may be by choice or it may be by force. And so this is a really critical conversation for us to have right now, particularly around the relationship with technology and where that impacts it. Because a lot of people who may not have worked in the tech space before are really having to use technology in a different way. And, uh, and that really impacts their ability to thrive. So I'm looking forward to hearing a little bit more about how your work has evolved. And uh, if you could tell us a little bit, just so we get some background of, you know, how you came into working with Encore Entrepreneurs. Sure. Well, Heidi, thank you. Yeah, it's, I came into it from a little bit of a backdoor area. I counted up at one point that it, at some point it took two, fing- two hands and, and two fingers to twice to figure out how many jobs and careers I've had over my, my lifetime. So it all kind of, you know, came together in 2010 when I went to work for a digital marketing company. And now 2010, we were just coming out of the, you know, the, the housing bust and all of that kind of stuff. So I had to kind of talk my way into a, into a job and show that I was needed. But I didn't know anything about, about technology. I didn't know anything. You know, I'd never been on a, a back end of a website. So I was really new. But my job was to work with clients and, and help them navigate the technology. So I taught myself a lot. And thankfully, you know, YouTube was around. And, and I've often said, if you, can, if you can YouTube it, you can be an expert. So <laughs> that was my homework. I spent a lot of time on YouTube seriously teaching myself how to do this. And fast forward several years worked with them for uh, three or four years and then was laid off and, you know, went through that just, and the reason I was laid off because I wasn't technical enough. So I kind of did the, I'll show you (laughs) and, you know, kept teaching myself and took another part-time job, uh, took another full-time job that became a part-time as the, you know, things changed and was laid off again. And I thought, okay, this is getting kind of ridiculous. I'm going to put my own life into my own hands and my own, you know, my own destiny. And just thought, in the meantime, I'd been building websites for friends. A friend came to me and said, you want to build a website? And I'm like, sure, never done it before. Not all by myself, but if you're willing to take a chance, then sure. And it took me a little bit, but he paid me for it. And then another friend came in and said, hey, you want to design mine? And he paid me for it. And all of a sudden I was making more money designing websites than I was, you know, doing my little part-time side hustle gig. So. And a business coach was very good. You know, she she basically said, what are you doing? And so literally overnight, I pivoted and started building websites and started my Ignite Marketing as a company literally the next morning. But it had kind of been for, you know, percolating and brewing and therefore I just need somebody to give me permission to do it. So that was kind of my 
probably my third or fourth swivel within or pivot within my lifetime. I prefer to say swivel because swivel doesn't stop. You know, yeah. you don't have a hard edge. Pivot, you have a hard edge and you have to stop. Swivel, you can adjust a little bit. I'm making my own swivel. <laughs> I like that. I think you just start applying yeah. that. You know, it, yeah, it exactly. feels a little more. It, it feels Fluid. a little more relaxed. I mean, a pivot sounds yeah. like I'm going to move. And yeah. There I am. Yeah, and once you get to this place, you have to stop. Yes, and then you got to pivot again, and you got to hard stop. So swivel, you can you know swivel, you can adjust. But so anyway, so that's kind of how I I came with Ignite Marketing and working with encore entrepreneurs. I looked in the mirror and I saw myself. And I've always been intimidated by the video because I, you know, that, that self-confidence of, well, I've got white hair and I'm not, you know, I'm not Heidi Klum. I'm, you know, so you, you start having these self voices. And then I looked in the mirror and I said, Hey, if I'm talking to people like me, they get it. I don't have to be a 25 year old, you know, with the great figure and the beautiful complexion Heck and the yeah. pretty stuffy hair to talk on video. Embrace and so the gray fun. girl and you exactly. rock it. Well, thank you. Thank you. God given, you know? So that's kind of how that came to be. And one thing led to another is like, there's really nobody out there talking to people like me that need technology, that don't understand technology, that maybe they've used it in their jobs, but they haven't had to delve into the back end or figure out how to make it work for them in their business. So that's where that came about. I think, I mean, it's such a critical lesson. Part of it is in delegation and part of it is just embracing it and sort of, you know, doing the YouTube videos or reaching out to someone and saying, I don't really know how to do this. But but I think there's, you know, when we talk about the relationship with technology, there's so much resistance mm -hmm. for a lot of people. And particularly for those of us that are not digital natives, that we didn't grow up with technology in our hands, it can be quite painful experience, or it can be on the other side, you have people like me who, you know, I love technology so much that I take on too much of it. And then I right. have to sort of scale back and sort of say, okay, well, you know what, this is not very effective, I should actually be delegating this. And there you have to apply the rule of just because I can doesn't mean I should. But I think that finding that balance is always really tricky when you're in that learning space. And I think for encore entrepreneurs, and particularly people that are needing to swivel, finding that comfortable zone can be really tricky. What are some of the things that you do with your clients to help them get to that comfort zone? Uh, some of it is just the mindset of it's not the technology that's scary. It's figuring out what you need and finding what works for what you need. And, and you know, going to events, you and I met at New Media Summit, and I look around the room, and probably over half the room was 50 or above. So there is a lot of people out there that are in this space. And I hear them say all the time, well, I hate technology. I hate technology. And my response to that is, is it's not that you hate technology because you use a smartphone, which is one of the, the most complicated technologies you can use. It's that you don't understand the strategy and how to apply it to what you need that makes the difference. So when you look at it from that standpoint and you say, okay, here's what I need. What is the technology that's going to solve the problem that I have there? Then it puts in a little bit different perspective. But when you look at technology, it's like, look at all the air that you need. You know, you can't swivel it down into one little droplet of, of air or water because there's so much of it. So we, we try to break it down and, and make it miniature. Absolutely. You're preaching to the choir, me girl. That is all about <laughs> my book. My book was Digital Self Mastery. It's all about that relationship and overcoming that. And having a strategy, being really clear on what your strategy is, 
And that is independent of the technology. So what are your outcomes? What are you trying to achieve? And then you look at where the technology can support that. And, right. and what technologies you, you can do yourself and what things you should delegate to somebody else. And, and that's the tricky part. I think a lot of people don't think in that systems perspective. And to help them do that, sometimes we need to help them design briefs. And I, I wonder if you might be able to walk through a little bit. We didn't actually, I didn't cue you up on this, so I may be putting you on the spot. But I know from my previous work of working in social strategy for 25 years, a lot of the work was helping them define their brief so that they could have a really clear strategy. Is, are there some tools that you use or practices that you use in helping people get to that place? Yeah. The first thing that we always do as a marketer is we go back to 101. And I often say when you're, when you're an athlete and you go see a new coach, the first thing they do is go back to the basics. So for me, with every client, I go back to who is your target? First of all, what is your why? Why are you doing this? And then who is your target market? And really hone in on who you speak with and how you speak to them. But then after that, it becomes, we, for a long time, we were in the space of everything was about you. You wanted people to know who you were and why you did what you did, but now nobody cares. It's all about them. So you want to make sure the brief in this case is what is the problem that you solve? What is the problem that they have and how do you solve it? And if you go back to that and, and very simple, here's the problem that I solve and here's how I do it then you're going to be able to talk to your ideal client because you know who they are and you know why you're doing this. So the problem and solution. And sometimes you have to kind of dig deep for it. One of my favorite analogies is is using a real estate agent. They do not sell houses. They don't sell three bedrooms and two baths. They sell community. They sell education. They sell a social life. They sell memories. And all of that comes into play. And that's the problem that they solve for their clients, not what color their bathtub is. So it's, that's the fun part of it for me is really diving in and find out what do you really do? Well, and I can see that, unfortunately, we're on an audio podcast, so you guys can't see, but I see a painting behind you. And I have a funny feeling that you're an artist as well. Is that true? No, actually, I'm not, Um, which is funny because my mom and dad, my mom was an art major. I got none of that from the like the hand perspective, but I got it in the visual perspective. Mm. And I just loved that. I got I bought that at a at an event and they had vendors and it just really in fact I had to like do a little bargaining to get it. It's a pink picture, which I love pink, and it's a, a like a Cinderella dress. It's the it's the Cinderella dress that the birds made her <laughs> and in the in the Aunt Disney movie. And it just draw it I just liked it and it just speaks to me. And that's why. I totally get it. I think there's there's something about the power of the visual. And whether you physically create it yourself or whether you use it as a tool for communication. And I think that's something that, you know, I was talking with Tom Singer earlier, a fellow podcaster, and we were talking about some of the things, some of the tools that we use in order to find our best way to come forward and use our creativity. And whether that's a physical thing, or whether that's something that you, you know, you share and you're a teacher or whether you're in his case, he's a comedian and a speaker. And in my case, I'm a former musician, I guess I should say, I don't perform anymore. But there's certain different things that you can pull and the visual pieces that you can pull. And to be able to integrate those in particularly today where we're having to use, you know, this virtual communication, where it has to be more dynamic than, you know, in the old days, we did websites where, or I didn't do them, but a lot of people would just upload a PDF. 
And now when we have websites, we need to have video. We need to have visuals that captivate. We need to engage and ask people questions that make them feel like you actually care about what the response is. And it's not just, here's my information and, you know, follow up with me. And I think that that changes the whole way that we design and think. And absolutely, I, I am curious about how that evolution has worked for you in terms of design. Because coming in, I think you came in when I was doing websites back in the day, it was hardcoring HTML. So right. it's been a while. But the new websites, we have so many really cool tools that enable us yes. to pull all those creative aspects. If you, can you talk a little bit sort of about the multimedia dimension and how we can use that in order to express the different sides of these entrepreneurs as they're coming back in, as opposed to like, here's my information, you know, in a website, and how do you contact me? Sure. Today, it's all about the moving pieces. You know, you have a base, which being a website person, I consider the website the base. But then around that, you have different spokes or gears that make that website work, which is actually your company and your marketing and and your message and, and all of that is involved in that. So if you, if you take that as your base and you use blogs, for, for example, as part of the way to get your message out, or you use your social media, and then you use your content and your messaging, and then you use your videos, and then you use, there's all different pieces, email funnels that all work together. And just like one big, you know, it moves the big gear in the middle, which is your marketing. So I, you know, I tell people a lot of times that if you look at, for example, social media, social media is the soundbite of your message. Your website is where you get the full story. So when you look at the big picture and you make it all work together and all flow and the messaging is all the same, and it goes back to speaking to your target market and how you, you know, how you speak to them and the problems that you solve, then I think it becomes one big ball of mush (laughs) that all goes in together and it all works together. And it becomes, you know, when it comes out, it becomes this beautiful pearl or, or, you know, I'm trying to think of a good analogy. I picture it, but I can't think of it. So, you know, it all works together. So it it comes out as a a great company that moves your company forward and tells people who you are, which is very different from what it was even five years ago. You know, some of the first websites I built were totally informational. Here's, you know, here's who I am and here's how you contact me. But I love the direction it's going because it's so much better for the consumer. Do you find that that's something that is embraced by people who are coming, you know, doing the, the swivel? (laughs) <laughs> or is that something that they struggle with? Is it, I mean, because I think it's a very different way, or at least particularly when you're coming from a, a corporate role or working for somebody else, and then you go into entrepreneurship and you're having to think about all the different aspects of your organization, everything from your brand identity to your marketing tools to monetization, all of these different pieces and pulling them together. A lot of people don't really necessarily think in that full span picture. And yet the website needs to represent that. Um, Especially when you look at older entrepreneurs, the encore entrepreneurs, because they've, you know, perhaps say, like you said, they've been in companies where it's totally brochure because Coca-Cola doesn't need to talk problem solution. They're Coca-Cola or Nike or whatever, you know, they they have a big brand and a big message. So that's what they're used to dealing with. And now when I work with a lot of the, the older entrepreneurs, they have that vision in their head of this is what the way it's always been. But I find that when you when you put the customer or the client first and you build client first, whether that's mobile or laptop or whatever, and you build with a user experience in mind, it just makes sense. And mm-hmm. that's part of the educating that I do with my clients to say, 
this is you want your customers and your clients to feel like when they come to your website that they found a home and you get them. And you're not they're not going to feel like that if if all you're doing is talking about yourself or talking in, you know, in technical language that they don't understand. So it's all about the customer experience and the user experience. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that you talk about the user interfaces and things like that. Does your group also work with the idea of, I mean, how do you take it mobile? I know that that's a big, when I, back in the day, when I was designing them, we were just starting to actually hard code so that you could put things onto a mobile interface. And, right. and now you have much more dynamic tools that you can, you know, you design a website and it's already integrated in that it will, you know, it will adapt to different screens. Right. But a lot of people don't think that way. They just go, okay, well, you know, design my website and then, but then all of a sudden you open it up onto another screen, a smaller screen, whether it's an iPad or it's a different format of a phone. Or like in my case, I have, you know, I have a big phone that I have it on the largest text possible. So I, if I'm not wearing my glasses, I can actually still read it, which of course messes with every interface. And it yes. does it. <laughs> so, I mean, but a lot of people don't think that way. And it, it's, that adaptability thinking, whether it's the physical adaptability for the mobile interface, or just thinking about the fact that people are consuming it on the go. Is that a conversation you have with your, your clients? And, and how does that, you know, how is that perceived? Yeah, it's very interesting, because a lot of designers are now designing mobile first. So there's still, you know, and I've often laughed and said the day I have to actually design a website on a smartphone is probably the day I retire. Because <laughs> I just, ooh. but so we still design on laptops and we still design on, on big screens so that we can see all the bits and pieces. But if you're thinking about as you're designing, if you think about, all right, how is this going to affect mobile? You can, you know, you can look at it on your screen because I deal in WordPress. And fortunately, most of the platforms that you built on WordPress now are automatically coming mobile responsive. So you don't have to go in and do the do the special codes. You want to look at it and make sure because there's there's a bazillion different mobiles, you know, between all the tablets that are out there and all the phones that are out there. You try to hit most. You're not going to hit every, but you try to hit most. So we have that conversation at the very beginning of let's talk about how we're going to design it around mobile. But it also depends on your audience. I have a client that's got an older audience. His clientele is 60 and above. He's in the area where there's a lot of retirees. Most of his business and most of his traffic is coming from laptop or desktop even. So because they're, you know, it's older people, they're not using their phones as much. So it's really kind of interesting. You really, again, have to look at the target audience and how they respond and how they use mobile. Generally, as a rule, the number of people who use mobile first is in the, in the high 80%. So yeah, most of us, we want to design mobile first. Well, and I would challenge you even that with the senior population, I think a lot of them are moving over to iPads. And yes. so you, you know, you still are a tablet of some form. So it may not be a laptop screen. You may not necessarily be dealing with size limitations, mm -hmm. but you're still dealing with a different type of application. And I mean, I know for my father, who unfortunately is no longer with us, but when he was you know, he was struggling with the computers. He kept on having issues with the computers right. and same, he had a flip phone and, you know, he couldn't get, he couldn't hear you properly and this and that. And so we, you know, we gave him an iPhone and, and, uh, you know, gave him a headset, which was a huge thing because all of a sudden he could actually oh, hear yeah. the conversations. And then we took away his laptop and gave him an iPad. And he's like, I don't, I can't learn this. I was like, it's exactly <laughs> the same as your phone. It's just bigger. Right. 
And all of a sudden, his whole world opened up. It was a completely different experience because he realized that, you know, that interface of having to type and having to use a mouse. I don't think the typing was, I mean, he was a hunt and peck type typer. Right, right. But it was the whole thing of using a mouse and trying to figure out where the mouse was on the screen versus just touching it. Yeah. So I think it's very good point. Yes. Yeah. It's quite interesting to see how that's evolving. And I think, particularly now, because we've got this long period where where people are in isolation, particularly a lot of seniors are in isolation. Yes. And their access to the rest of their family and their community is through the screen. Mm-hmm. Are you finding that there's more of a demand for the ability to to engage with people visually on the websites that people are asking for? Are, do they want that integration of a Zoom or a Skype or you know webinars and things? Yeah, we haven't had it so much as an integration into a website yet. In fact, I'm trying to think, I don't think I've had that ask at all. And I'm not sure how, I'd have to go back and look, but I'll get back to you on it, Heidi, and answer the question for you. Because <laughs> um, we haven't had that ask yet. Also, probably because it's still such a new thing that I don't know if it's available, but you know, definitely something to, to find out for, something new to offer my clients. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but to your point about the iPad, yes, the tablets are so big. You know, my mother-in-law loves her tablet. She, you know, she does a lot on the tablet. And we find that if we design for a laptop and then we decide for uh, cell phones, smartphones, then we typically get the middle of it. And we check those on, you know, before we go live and make sure everything's fine. But but it's interesting looking at the numbers. I'll have to, to just keep a better eye on what tablet is doing because we're still seeing a lot of desktop in that area. Yeah. But that's a very specific area. Yeah. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, I think it, it depends on the area. I, I have a yeah. a friend who is a geriatric caregiver down in uh, in North Carolina, and uh, they use a lot of tablets with their clients yeah. for them to be able to, you know, they use it for for tracking medication, you know, adherence to medication yeah. and all that kind of thing. And so they're they're finding that it's actually a really easy, great tool for them because it's a lot easier to see than a smartphone screen. Oh, sure. You know, so yeah, I remember years ago I was I had a part-time like contract to work for a customer experience speaker. And I learned so much for him. It was the best six months because it was, you know, it was a real good give and take because I learned a lot from him. And one of the things, tablets were just really kind of starting to come in. And one of our clients was a big auto dealer here in Atlanta. And he was talking to them about, you know, wouldn't it be cool to be able to take a tablet and walk out on a sales lot with a client and say, oh, you want this in black? Well, we only have it in white. Let me look it up for you real quick. And people were just in like, really? You think we're going to be able to do that? <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's yeah, it's, it's really funny how far we've come in, in, in 10 short years. And, and quick story, because it's to me, it's funny. When my husband and I first got married, we lived in New Jersey. And one of one of our best friends worked for AT&T, who was working then on something called the internet that wasn't really, you know, known a lot outside of that, that telecommunication world. And we were having a conversation at dinner. Well, the next day, I happened to have a appointment in New York City with an ad agency. And so I was telling him about all this. He's like, you mean one day we'll be able to go online and, and order a car? I'm like, yeah, it sounds crazy, doesn't it? <laughs> and I just, I still laugh about that conversation today. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, it goes back for me. I, I've got sort of, as we talked about a little bit in the green room, I've got sort of yeah. a funny circuitous journey of my own with lots of pivots. But one of the periods of my life while I was doing my business school studies in Brussels I worked with one of my my marketing professor actually pulled me into this uh, think tank group with the European Commission and business leaders talking about this internet thing. 
And I had come from an education technology group and had been recruited by my business school to come and set up their internet strategy because it was sort of this whole new thing. And, you know, I was busy ordering my books on this newly launched company called Amazon, and people thought I was crazy because I was making (laughs) transactions (laughs) online. But it was interesting being on the European Commission group because we were talking about sort of, you know, I was saying, like, this is the future. You need to be prepared for it. You need to be thinking about transactions. And they're like, it'll never be secure enough to be able to do that. And there was just this adamant, like, it's not going to happen. And, you know, I was sort of this idealistic, like, it's all going to be internet-based. You need to think about this now. And it's a complete shift of mindset. And now, of course, here we are, and this is, you know, 20-something years later, where it's obvious, like it's a given. Everything is online-based. And here we are in a situation where everybody is confined to their homes. And our only method of really connecting with people is using this crazy thing called the internet. And half the time we're ordering our groceries and and other things that we're buying on the internet. We're doing our banking on the internet. And so it's this transition that sometimes it can move slowly to a place where we feel comfortable and we adapt and and adopt. But I think, you know, I'm always an optimist on, on the future of where it's going. I think the potential is there, but there's always a painful movement period. And this is kind of one of those forced right. painful movement periods where we are going to come out on the other side of this chrysalis looking at the potential for how we can, you know, travel a little bit less than, you know, on the inessential travel. We can still connect and we can get our work done, but then we can also, on those times when that personal connection is needed, make the effort to go and be together. And then it means yeah. so much more. And I think if we can figure out how to embody that in our online communications while we are going through this chrysalis period, I think we'll really be prepared for the new world of where we're coming out of this. Yeah, I think it's very exciting that all the the innovations and all of the workarounds that people are doing. I was on a call the other night that that was a a women's networking group in New York. And it was great because that's not something that I would have been able to do on a regular basis unless I happened to be there. So now all of a sudden, my reach has expanded to New York City and to, you know, San Francisco. There's a group in Dallas. There's So it's just been incredible to be able to be part of these different groups. Just even locally, there's a group that's like an hour and a half away that I've always wanted to visit. But it's like, oh, the traffic to get there, I'll have to leave, like, you know, allow myself a week travel time in Atlanta to get to where I want to go. And then the flip side of that is I've noticed that as I've been doing these meetings, I now have an extra couple of hours of the day. I could still do the meetings, but I don't have to allow two hours of travel time. So I'm getting more stuff done and still being able to enjoy it. And, you know, only having to put like the top and the and the earrings on. Well, and think about how that's impacting your well-being as well, because, you know, not having to sit in the car for all that time. Yes, you're sitting in front of a screen, but you can move around. You can get up. And I mean, there's so many other implications to that beyond our productivity. And I think that's just, I think it's a time to reflect and realize all of the different areas where, you know, from a systems perspective, where good can come out of this. So, you know, the fact that we have a wider reach and acknowledging that wider reach and Mm -hmm. what a cool thing that is that you're able to reach new clientele, reach new peers and connect with them and yeah, so I'm excited for you that you've uh, really 
you know, taking advantage of that opportunity and, and I hope you continue to do so. I want to circle back a little bit to the, the swivel piece, mm-hmm. um, because I think that, you know, I, I love that concept. I'm going to use that now. Swivel <laughs> rather than a pivot. It's like sitting in my chair ready to swivel. Yeah, swivel. <laughs> it just feels better in my body. Positive word to me. <laughs> it really is. I mean, pivot sort of like, oh, you know, I got to get out of the way. Whereas yeah, like yeah. swivel feels like, oh, I got, I got, I got room to yeah. move. Yeah. Anyway, the whole swivel concept and sort of how that works with your, your particular demographic that you're working with. And a lot of people particularly are really experiencing that forced pivot and to help them change that mindset into a swivel and recognize the opportunity rather than feeling like, oh no, okay, where I was before is gone. That opportunity is gone. How do I embrace what I have, whether that's my what, my how, my where, whatever that is, that is that special sauce or thing that I can give and monetize ultimately. What are some of the things that that you do to help people transition from that pivot mindset to swivel mindset? Well, the first thing we do, which is something that I did myself when I when I was laid off you know, three times in, in five years, is I looked at what I had done in my life. I call it my career capital. What is my career capital? And it's not just the obvious of I was a project manager or I was this or I was this. I was a teacher at one point in my life. I actually had my own marketing company previously that we sold packages. We sold binders. And you know, with the internet, nobody wants customized binders with their logos on it anymore. So I then I swiveled again. But within that obvious you know, job description and headline, there's a lots of intrinsics that we do. Even from a volunteer standpoint, you know, things that we we contribute to non for profits, just anything that we do, parents, PTA, you know, baseball coaches, softball coaches, whatever. There's a lot of that that we do that I call career capital, and within that career capital, there's levels of that. And so the first thing I do is have them give me, you know, just start brainstorming a list of what their career capital is. Think outside the box. Don't just tell me you're a project manager. Tell me all the things that you did underneath that. Tell me all the committees that were, you were on, you know, with the previous jobs that you had. You know, it could be treasury of your homeowners association. There's still responsibility for that. That's all still part of career capital. And you can go back through and identify what, what you were good at, what you were mediocre at, what you really didn't like, or what you, what you loved doing, even though you may not have been great at it. Then you can still put all that together and come up with a description of what, what you want to do or what you want your business to look like in the future. And then you apply that to say, all right, I've always wanted to be a health coach. I've always been involved in health. I've always loved to exercise and to do that. And my career capital supports that. So let's give that a try. And then you might have to go in and tweak it and say, okay, maybe personal trainer isn't the thing for me at 65, but I love helping people in nutrition. So we'll, we'll tweak this or pivot it or swivel it or whatever you want to call it. But it all is based on that career capital. Obviously, the career capital is is a critical thing for all of us to recognize. And even when you are pre-pivot, I think it's mm-hmm. important to also recognize your value and to appreciate your value of where you're providing, with, whether it's within an organization or in your own work that you're in right now, because sometimes that can change. And to be constantly yeah. looking at sort of what is it that, you know, like like Steve Olsher talks about, what's your what? Yeah, what's your what? But it's but there's also the you know what what drives you where your where your passion lies, and I think particularly in a time where we are right now, where 
a lot of people are experiencing a lot of pain. But I think at the same time, uh, they're sort of recognizing where their purpose, you know, the purpose that's driving them. And so out of that can come sort of what is it that makes that you are passionate about and that makes mm-hmm. you feel good and, you know, where you can actually apply your career capital for, right. uh, for good as well. Yeah, I yeah. think we're going to come out when, when we start coming out of this, I think we're going to find that, that there is a lot of swiveling and, and pivoting. And when you go back to your office or whatever, it may not be what you want anymore, because now you've had this six weeks of being able to kind of set your own schedule or, or whatever, whatever is your, you know, floats your boat while you're working at home that you don't normally do. You know, my husband is now working at home and, you know, we're both surviving this, (laughs) but he's, you know, and he, but he loves going in the office. He doesn't like working at home. He likes the interaction. He likes being there and, you know, and, and seeing people and, and interfacing and, and having his own customers served right there. So I don't see him pivoting, but I see a lot of pe- other people do. And um, so I think we'll, we'll see a different sort of workplace when we come out of this. And oh. some of those companies that have said, oh, no, we're never working remotely because I want you in. Maybe some of that control will go away and, and they'll be a little more relaxed about that. Yeah. And I think it's also important to recognize for those people that do need that routine and that interaction, there are ways even now to make that happen in certain ways, whether it's getting together for a virtual coffee, a Zoom check-in with your team to just, you know, sit there and have your cup of coffee together over Zoom and say, you know, so how are things going? What's going on? You know, and you've got where it's a real, that real connection where, you know, you've got the dog interrupting the Zoom call or you, you know, you can sneeze and you don't have to look perfect. You're just, just another day in the office. So I think, you know, I think it's important to recognize that there are ways we can use technology to at least somewhat have that experience so you don't feel so isolated. Because, you know, for people like myself who are, and I think for you as well, used to working alone and, you know, working remotely, for me, I feel invaded because I'm like, my entire, my house is full. I have like, my office has moved into my bedroom and and I'm like, you guys have got to be quiet. And, you know, it's just a different, you know... (laughs) Yeah. Like the cat out scratching of my office. at the door. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, and, yeah. and just even from that, like you said, that routine standpoint, you know, I, I think about him. He said, you know, usually when I when I do my 30 minute commute into the office, I have my cup of coffee and I think about what I'm going to do for the day and, you know, how the day's going to be laid out and then coming home for my hour and a half commute home because <laughs> traffic is always worse. Then I think about what I did today, what I'm going to have to do tomorrow and kind of, you know, it kind of gives you that separation of work and home. And I think that's where his biggest struggle is. He, he doesn't have that separation anymore. You know, his commute is 30 seconds up the steps and he's like, honey, I'm home. You know? He should like, be listening to already? podcasts in the morning, in the afternoon, yeah. like as if he's going on his commute. Highly recommend Absolutely. it. There's a lot of great podcasts out there. <laughs> They have to talk fast, (laughs) but but yeah, no. And I found, you know, I found that now I have to kind of more make a more conscious effort because usually when I stop work, I'll take a break and then I usually sit and you know because I can, I'll pop my laptop up and do stuff that I can while we're sitting in the family, you know, doing family stuff. But I found my podcast time is down because I don't have that. I have to make a conscious effort to say, all right, I'm going to stop at four thirty. And listen to my favorite podcast, Doctor. Yeah. And then, and then, uh, you know, go start my, you know, start my evening and again. So yeah. we have to make conscious decisions now. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, I think it's very to. important to do. And and one of the practices that I 
do and I try to encourage actually my clients do. And it seems unrelated, but it's just integrating a gratitude practice. And you can do that the beginning of your day, which is sort of a transition, but finding things that can mark beginning and end of transition from work to play. And, you know, and you can practice that gratitude at different points in the day. And it can really help, you know, just keep your spirits up, which right now can be a little bit challenging for some people. Absolutely. Or Um, just go walk outside. Yeah, if you can. If you can. If you can. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. Yeah. We can still walk outside. (laughs) We can too. And we're very fortunate, but we definitely have a lot of friends that are stuck in cities that can't go anywhere. We've got some good friends. I got a good friend in Madrid and I just interviewed her the other day and she's, you know, they're, they're having a hard time and she's living with her mother and her, uh, her partner. They went to go check in on her and take care of her. And she's, you know, an aging, not very well. And so now she's like, you know, there she's sharing her childhood room with her partner, her life partner, and it's tight and they're not allowed to leave and it's tricky. So we've got to just appreciate the fact that we can go outside and have some fresh air. And here we are in Mill Valley at eight o'clock every night. Everybody howls out to the moon and in tribute to the uh, the healthcare workers and all of the yeah. you know the people that's that cool. are still going to the grocery working at the grocery stores and whatnot. So that's very cathartic. We're able to actually let that's out really a little burst. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> let out a little burst. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's it's really nice. It's funny because when it first starts, you're like, "There's a dog howling somewhere." Oh, it's it's time for the howl. It must be eight o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. You know what, Lori, it has been such a treat having you on. I really appreciate your sharing your time with you, with us. And uh, I've got to hop off because we've got another podcast coming up soon. Yes. I think she just tried to peek in there. Anyway, it has been such a pleasure having you on today. And how can folks find you if they want to reach out to you and, and work with you? Yes. And actually, I have a gift if I can offer that sure. to the audience. Because also, it's all of my contact information is on that page. So my website is ignitingyourbusiness.com and I have a special a special page for, for you, Dr. Heidi. It's ignitingyourbusiness.com forward slash Dr. Heidi. Okay. And your audience will get all the information there and they will get a freebie on how to create momentum for your business. And it just talks about some things that you can do, which is especially valuable now in the time that we're in. And all my social media links are there also. So Awesome. I will, uh, I will send that over to you. Okay. Thank you so much. We'll make sure that goes in the show notes. It's been such a pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you, Lori. And thank you, Digital Selfers, for joining us. I hope you enjoyed today's show. And if you did and you haven't subscribed yet, make sure you do so you don't miss any of the great upcoming episodes. If you really loved us, we appreciate a rating and review. It helps get the word out and helps the show grow so that other people can learn how to evolve as their digital self. Until next time, bye-bye for now. Thank you for joining us for the Evolving Digital Self. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app now so that you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, please give us a rating and a review and join the digital self-mastery movement to create more conscious use of technology by sharing it and telling your friends. Want to see where you fit on the digital self spectrum and how it might be impacting your business and relationships? Get your free copy of Digital Self Mastery today by clicking on the link in the show notes.